and welcome back to another exciting episode of DSLR Film New Podcast. This is episode 41. Mitch, can you believe that we've been going that long already? Mitch, what have you been up to, man? Well, it's really easy when you are doing two a week, my stars. I'm only doing half that. So this is only episode 20 and a half. <laughs> version with the guy from Planet 5D. I'm really excited. Uh, there's so much going on in the news. You know, uh, I read the news this morning. I bet you haven't even seen this yet. This is so shocking. What? What? Hulk Hogan has been banned from the WWE. They've removed every semblance of him from the website. Why? You know who, you know who Hulk, Hulk Hogan is, yes, right? I, I mean, you know that name, right? I've met him a couple times. It's been a Have thing. You, what? Uh, no, really? Just in... Um, I do these uh, film tours where I have to go to a bunch of conventions and sell films. Uh, that I've worked on in the past, and so I have to, you know, yeah. talk and whatever. And he's yeah. been there for a few different things. Him and uh, the guy that played um, uh, Jason in the uh, shoot, yeah, um, you know, the horror movies with yeah. the yeah, the horror movies. Yeah, yeah why is my brain not working? Kane Hodder, Kane Hodder, the actor. He's like a muscle builder wow. slash like um, bad guy in in several of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. But uh, yeah, he was just running around and, like he hung out at her booth for a while and watched our pitch and. Bought a movie from us and moved on. So, but what's he getting banned for? What do he do? So, so here you are telling me all the time that you get you don't know anybody, you know don't names, and yet here you're you're wrapping off these guys that are famous that you've met face to face. Okay, so I've met a ton um, of actors, man. But uh, you know when you're like, <laughs> hey, have you met this Canon representative? Never done it. Never met any of the Canon reps in person, other than the random dude number one. Uh, the early news was that apparently he said something racial on a podcast or some video or something, but it, it's just this breaking news and it was so hot. You know, I was reading it on the throne when I was getting ready for the show, (laughs) like everybody else does. Um, anyway, I don't know. I don't, I just thought it would be funny and here you, or it turns out you actually know the guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, so a true story. I'm standing in line. Uh, waiting to get coffee at a, a big uh, festival, and I have to go speak in like 15 minutes. And this guy with thick, thick glasses is there, and he just starts asking me questions about coffee. And I don't recognize him. Like, I'm bad with people, so I don't know who he is. And uh, people are looking at me weird as I'm talking to this guy, and I was kind of trying to brush him off, and he kept, you know, going and talking. And they're like, did you know that was Ramiro? And I'm like, who? And they're like, you know, the the director, the you know, he's famous. And I'm like, oh. Really? You know, because I, I don't really pay attention to that sort of thing. So that's happened to me multiple times where, like, I'll help someone with camera gear or kit or whatever, and then someone else is like, what were you talking to him about? That's amazing. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's cool. Good, good job. Yay. On that note, enough about that. Time for the news. Time for the news. Time for the news. Time for the news. First of all, I want to thank Mitch here because this one actually I probably would have jumped on if he hadn't emailed uh, it to me directly. Uh, The Zcam E1 is up on Kickstarter, and I was watching this, looking at it, and we were kind of discussing this over the last uh, four or five episodes. But uh, Mitch was like, hey, it's on Kickstarter. Check it out. And he sent me a link, and I went ahead and put down my $499 on this, and then... Uh, all the early bird stuff completely sold out that night. So, Mitch, yeah. thanks for saving me $100, even though I spent $500. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I sent it to quite a few people that I know on the inside, right? So if you're on the inside, you maybe got a chance to get in. But I knew I knew you were very interested in it, so I, 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 I almost jumped on it, but I was like, I'll never use the damn thing, so... Man, four ninety nine. Oh, that's a really reasonable price. Now, there's more specs out, and let's go through those real quick. Uh, let me share my screen so everybody can take a look. Those of you listening, I'll be reading these off so you can kind of get an idea. The Zcam, if you're not familiar with it or heard us talk about it previously, it's basically a Panasonic sensor slammed into a GoPro-sized case uh, with a Micro Four Thirds mount and some of what looks to be uh, Panasonic's uh, imaging technology as far as uh, autofocus and so on. Um, looking at the specs, we've got 
a 60 megabit Kodak at H.264. We've got an external 3.5 millimeter input jack for audio. We've got 16 megapixel RAW or JPEG. Uh, this will shoot up to 15 frames per second for stills. It also is featuring Panasonic's sensor. That's the MN34230 if you're interested. And it uses a custom 200 milliamp hour capacity battery. Uh, it's got clean HDMI out. And the screen on the back of this thing is 320 by 2400. No, 240, not 2400. What is it? It's too early in the morning for me. Um, Amen. <laughs> looking through the frame rates, we've got... Uh, 469 by 2160 uh, UHD, which is 3840 by 2160 and 1920 by 1080 at both 30 and 60 frames per second. Uh, I also linked over to Planet 5D so that uh, you can read uh, the their take on this, but um, especially since Mitch uh, helped me out to get this thing. But <laughs> Mitch, I know we've kind of talked about this in the past. Anything new to report on this uh, now that the Kickstarter information is all out and they've kind of had all the specs loose? I don't have anything that I think is outstanding. I think that spec list that you just gave is is a good summation of what's going on. Uh, obviously, it's much lower priced than the Blackmagic cameras uh different target markets probably you know because they have the two they have the micro cinema camera and they have the micro studio camera um those are both priced at i think a thousand bucks um <clears throat> excuse me so it's exciting to see this kind of stuff come out and uh i'm really really thrilled that you bought one yeah well uh, i want to know what I hope it actually ships on time. You know, this is a Kickstarter, and I normally am fairly negative on Kickstarter. So what? Uh, uh, mostly because of the burn factor that's happened with Kickstarters in the past. I yeah. will say, um, in comparison to the Blackmagic Pocket Cam or the Blackmagic Cinema Camera, the the small version, uh, this does have some of the same control features. Uh, apparently, there's a, a what is it? A UHTDP port? What you know that uh, five or six letter acronym? port that's available on this so you do have some external controls as well as a serial access i believe via usb i'm still trying to find more information on that i haven't uh, been able to gather everything but uh it does look interesting to me the price is right and man it it's basically it looks like they just went out and bought uh, Panasonic sensors, even uh, reading some articles and interviews with these guys, it sounds as though Panasonic basically helped walk them through all of the AF control systems for this camera. So they're getting a lot of help there. And the guy that's working on this uh, was formerly with GoPro. So, uh, you know, right. those are all solid things that probably mean this will actually hit the market. And it probably won't be too bad either. Um, <laughs> they've gotten a lot of money for the yeah, what are they up to right now? Uh, Two hundred and thirty-one thousand. There's an echo in here. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I did like about it was that they stated that they were going to be, you know, open soon. You could actually write some code for this, if I if I remember that correctly. Was wasn't that something that they said they were going to do? Yeah, I saw that they're going to release some developer information on this in SDK, right. so right. that you can actually, uh, you know, do controls or maybe some time lapse features or something like that. It'll be interesting to see what kind of stuff starts to come out for these. Um, and that's actually a good transition to the next thing in the news list here. And that oh, is, I'm so good at that, aren't I? Yeah, the Olympus Air. Uh, there's a hacking uh, workshop that happens once or twice a year in Japan. And someone actually managed to uh, enable an i or a, not an iWatch. It's not, a, it's not called iWatch, right? It's called an no. Apple Watch. Watch, correct. <laughs> the Apple Watch. Uh, as a viewing screen for the Olympus Air. And that's a pretty interesting thing to have happen. Now, I did read this translated to English via Google Translate, so the article is rather iffy uh, as right. far as uh, trying to figure out what's actually going on. But I have a link to that in the show notes. You can definitely check that out, read more if you figure out uh, exactly how they did it. Uh, but it is cool. A screen? Uh, would you use something like this, Mitch? Well, one of the things that I did read in the translation said that the current Apple Watch configuration is a little bit difficult to use because the screen 
you know, it's, it's the watch. It's designed to work on your wrist. So applying it to the back of this lens is a little tough because the, the watch tends to go to sleep on you because you're not moving it, right? And you also apparently have five seconds because I don't have an Apple Watch yet. I know that's really shocking to huh? some of you. But uh, having it go to sleep on you after five seconds is rather annoying as well because they said, you know, you had to keep touching the screen in the translation that's hard to read in order to keep it alive and, and you know, shoot the shutter. And then there is a slight delay, like a typical point and shoot with getting the photos over. And so it's not ideal, but it's cool. The fact that people are getting a, being able to do these kind of hacks with technologies that maybe weren't necessarily designed to be put together and new things will come. Now, I just want to see it in action. I don't really want to own either, or, you know, own the, <laughs> the device. I might even, I, okay. So I pulled the trigger on the, uh, the E1 Z camera, but I have an Olympus uh, Air on pre-order. Do I need both? And that's kind of uh, where I'm sitting right now, like wondering should I should I spend an extra th- uh, what two ninety nine on that? And uh, stuff like this looks really cool, but then now we have this other camera that's waiting in the wings that'll have four K capable capabilities as opposed to the other one. And I'm I'm spending what an extra uh, two hundred dollars, right? Uh, I think I think. You know, my expert opinion um, would be that you're probably going to be more happy with C- C1, not the Z1, the E1. Um, but I know you love the cool factor, so that's a real toss-up. <laughs> I think uh, what I'm going to end up doing here is uh, since the E1 is going to be released for a couple more months and I should have the Olympus Air in my hands next week or the week after, I might try and use it, do a couple reviews, and then resell it uh, when the new camera comes out, or resell it before the new camera comes out so it doesn't drop too much in value. You are the king of eBay. <laughs> so I think that's a good option for you. Now, moving on to wackier stuff here. Actually, I just found no? this. What? I sprung this on you, Mitch, uh, before the show, it's right? wackier than that? Yeah, okay. So first we uh-huh. talked about a watch being attached to a camera. Now let's talk about a GoPro being attached to a monitor. Uh, what I have on screen here is the Lilliput 7 Mo... Po? Mo... Uh, Mo Pro <laughs> 7. There we go. I had text over yeah. the top of my words. Um, this just showed up on Amazon. It's basically a 1280 by 800 resolution IPS screen attached to the back of a GoPro. Uh, you can open the case up, put your GoPro inside. It has remote control options that allow you to start, stop, and do playback on the GoPro unit itself. It's 249 and it's rather weird with its uh, included 2600 milliamp hour battery and quarter inner 20 mounting bracket. Mitch, what do you think of this? This is sort of like an iPad, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, that is a pretty dead gum bizarre concept. Uh, I, I mean, the fact that it's made it to Amazon must mean there's a market for it, right? Yeah. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Lilliput's made a bunch of monitors in the past. If you're not familiar with them, um, they've had the very first, uh, HDMI monitors available on the market for, uh, consumer grade pricing, you know, 150 to $350. And this is just another one of their kind of odd products. Maybe people really want something like this. I know uh, the screen is not very popular on the back of the GoPro. The uh, yeah. little, you know, the resolution on that's really horrible. It's hard to see. Having something like this, uh, you know, maybe people really want this sort of thing. There is no way to protect your GoPro as far as water protection goes. So you are still exposed to the environment. But I mean, I guess you have full control and you can see everything. And, right. uh, you know, if you already own a GoPro, maybe this is the accessory for you. <laughs> I mean, it's we, we've laughed about this before because you go to a concert or something and you'll see somebody holding up an iPad, right? <laughs> so what's the difference in, in this and that, right? Maybe, like you said, if you've got a GoPro and you just want to have a bigger monitor, what the heck? Now, I'm looking closer at this, and one thing that's missing 
and would probably make it more handy for that sort of application would be handles. Because, you know, how do you grip this exactly? And I've got the Amazon page here open, so you can kind of see some of the images here that they've got available. But, uh, you know, do you do you hold this like an iPad? And it looks rather thick compared to an iPad. Uh, it does. It almost needs some sort of bracket or handles on either side to make it um, an eSport compatible thing. And look at the picture right here. They show show this uh, guy skiing. You're not going to take this and attach it to your helmet while you're skiing, are you? <laughs> I, I have not seen anybody do that yet. Lord knows it's probably been done, but attach an iPad to your head. I mean, it's it's a little bit bigger, bigger, I think, than the iPad mini. It looks it physically looks bigger than that. Yeah, um, but it is thick. It's dead gum thick. And it's not there's got to be a market for it if it's on Amazon. Right. Amazon wouldn't put a product up there that wouldn't be marketable. <laughs> well, but, it could be, too, that um, since Lilliput already sells some uh, IPS monitors that are 1280 by 800, that this is just a modification of one of their previous units. Uh, if you look at the back and the way the back pops off itself, it uh, does appear that um, it's simply one of their other models with a uh, you know different backplate attachment. So it right. might not have been very much money to bring this to market. So generating a mold like that, maybe they only need to sell a couple hundred of these in order to make a profit. That would yeah. be my guess. Looking oh, at the... Oh, man, there aren't any reviews yet. I know, that was the first are. thing I looked for was, has anybody <laughs> even written about this wacky thing? Well, it says there's only 19 left in stock, so if you're interested, you better hurry. Yeah, there's a Amazon link in the show notes, guys. You click on that, <laughs> a little bit of the proceeds goes to us, so uh, that helps a little bit. Um, anyway, this is interesting. It's cool. It's the Lilliput MoPro 7, so check that out. It and if you buy it, we want to know what your response is when you get it. Call us. Yeah. We'll have you live on the show, okay? Yeah, actually, that, that would be interesting. <laughs> I do want to see, like, and if you know what you're going to use this for, and this is just the perfect item that changes your life, tell us, because I want to know, like, what do you, what do, you do with something like this? Uh, that's a great quote. I'm going to write that one down. The perfect item that changes your life. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, I don't think this is it, but maybe now. And if you use the game changer word on it, I'll shoot you. Yeah, that's uh, that's out of my vocabulary. <laughs> you never say that. <laughs> now, one other question I've got for you while we're kind of talking about this guy is Mitch, you've seen uh, the, the studio edition of the Black Magic camera that uh, wacky, it's almost the same thing. It's a monitor attached to a camera element on the back. Uh, that doesn't really have any way to hold on to it either. It, what do you think uh, people use that for? I mean, permanent studio mounts maybe? Yeah. Yeah, they would have to be mounted somehow. You're not going to walk around hand holding those things. Yeah, and when I saw those when they first came out, I I just rolled my eyes and they're like, oh, this would be perfect for studios. But you, you never buy a camera for just one application. You know, especially in that price range, you're going to buy it for multiple applications. I don't know. Anyway, that's um, I'm not going to go into that rant. Uh, moving on Aww. to other news here, and I'm just flying through it because I've got a timeline. Um, this is kind of interesting. Google is dropping support for G Plus Photos. Uh, if you're not familiar with the new uh, Google Photos app, uh, basically they bought uh, Picasa back in, what, 2004, I believe, and now they've finally rolled it into its own thing. Uh, people have rumored that uh, Google Photos would be its own element and that G Plus would lose the photos portion of it eventually. Uh, if you do have photos in there, you can you don't have to do anything. It'll just get moved over to Google Photos. They do have a takeout feature. So if you have a bunch of stuff in there and you no longer want to use the service, you can download everything you have uploaded to G Plus Photos. Uh, Mitch, have you used the new Google Photos app yet? I have not made time to do that, and I'm I'm really eager to see what your final analysis is because I know you'll put out a blog post on that, right? Oh man, if I weren't yeah. editing every five minutes of my life, I would be <laughs> writing. But uh, it's a little thin right now. 
Yeah, it is a little thin right now, and we're not talking about your hair. Oh, wow, that's been thin for years, uh, man. Um, but I, I'm fascinated by the way Google's going with this. I, you and I have talked a little bit about the, the way they're creating little mini albums and stuff for you to, to show you a historical kind of thing. That's, that's awesome stuff. Um, I still have some images that are probably bigger than their 16 megapixels or 16 megabytes or whatever. They're, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. 16 megapixel stills. Yeah. So, um, I don't know that that, you know, there, it isn't raw, right? It's just JPEGs. No, they do support raw files as well, as well as I forgot video. So, um, it's actually been taking short clips, uh, from, well, I plugged in a hard drive and I had the, uh, a feature length film, that I was editing uh, on there, and it started downloading stuff from the drive. And I came back the next morning, and it created this like jaunty huh. little like melody music, and it had just randomly like grabbed a bunch of clips and put them together into this montage that was a minute and some change long. Very strange, very bizarre, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Yeah, and and it's still uploading stuff, right? It hasn't completed your whole library. Yeah, I started with. Uh, somewhere in the range of almost 100,000 items, and now I'm down to like 5,000 or so. Wow. And it is grabbing most of the video off of my system, too. So I had um, I had cartoons that I occasionally watch, and uh, it mixed those in with like videos that I had shot, um, uh, reviews and stuff like that. And so it would go from uh, Flapjack the cartoon to a uh, picture of me, you know, like at the beach, to my wife running around to a special effects shot that I, I filmed and it was all sort of in the same drive. So it mixed them together into this weird amalgamation. And then it added this like whistling clicking music. That's like, do, 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 Is it a little scary if you have some material that maybe you don't want anybody else to see? Uh, yeah. So the assistant doesn't put it online, uh, I mean, it is online, but it, it doesn't put it out onto anything that's available for the general public unless you approve it. So uh, you get these notifications, and I mean, I, I guess I can show you my phone here. This uh, These little pinwheels show up at the top of your screen, and each one of those, it's analyzed photos or video or whatever and created a, like uh, right here, it's created a brand new movie for me. And uh, I mean, it's just... It shows up as the photo assistant, and you can't see anything because it's blaring it out. But you get these right. little, and I have no idea what's on here, so there might be. Whoa. Yeah, you know, I'm risking life and limb here. But it's just created these videos and little mixes out of just random stuff, you know. So, I mean, there it found a review video that was in a folder and, you know, colorized it and did some weird stuff to it. It's just, it's it's strange, and it's interesting um, yeah. it's sort of enjoyable and voyeuristic at the same time because you take the pictures or you take the video, you throw them up somewhere and then you're done, but then it goes back and revisits everything and creates like new ways of looking at it. So definitely a strange and interesting way of, uh, revisiting cool. your life. Yeah. And I, I'm sure people will find that very fascinating, especially if they don't have to do a whole lot of work to create it. Yeah. Plus there's always the backup thing too, you right. know? It's really nice to have your photos in more than one spot, especially if they're important memories. Uh, I've heard so many horror stories over the years of people losing their entire collection oh, because yeah. the drive fails or something like that. It's I've, I've had people come to me because I have pictures of their kids. And it's like, oh, I lost my hard drive. I know you have some pictures of my kids. Would you throw? Would you send them my way? I'm like, yeah, for a hundred bucks. There you go, man. Mitch's money-making scheme, taking pictures of other people's children. Now, let's not go there, buddy. Now, uh, that's not in the rundown, but I wanted to talk about that really quick. Did you see that article about uh, the the photographer who got in trouble? He was uh, taking stock footage photos at a swimming pool, and uh, he got reported to the police for being a creeper. Great. I wouldn't doubt it. And he normally photo, photographs people in large cities, but this was a smaller city that he was just driving through. And so he stopped, and somebody took pictures of him taking the pictures and then turned him in. And he does look pretty creepy. <laughs> well, I I have to admit, and I don't think you want to go down this rabbit hole, but I have had the police called on me because some lady thought I was a pervert. And 
taking photos and the policeman showed up and he's like, I'm sorry, man. I, I know you're not doing anything wrong. It's okay. Wow. But it's, yeah. And it's rather unsettling because you're like, you know, all I'm doing is taking photos. Okay. I was at the time I was just testing some new camera gear while I was waiting for my daughter to get out of dance class. And, and here come the cops because some ladies called the cops on me. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Interesting side note. Uh, I had a, f- a friend of mine was filming a horror uh, short film in the forest in Colorado and uh, <laughs> didn't notify authorities, uh, didn't get any permits, of course. Uh, so he's nah. out there filming and there's a death scene where they're, you know, stabbing a girl to death and ah. she's screaming bloody murder and they're filming it and he's stabbing and everything. And the cops show up and like pin everybody down to the ground and arrest them and throw them in jail for the night to figure out what's going on. And, you know, they clean the girl up, find out there's no wounds or anything. And then they have to go to court for this. And, you know, they didn't, the fine wasn't too bad. But somebody, you know, in another campground had heard the girl screaming and then seen blood shoot up in the air and thought, oh, crap, things are going sideways over here. I better call the cops. So, you know, if you're going to do that stuff, make sure you notify the authorities. Uh, Yeah, that's a great lesson. (laughs) You got to be careful out there, people. And uh, I know a lot of us guerrilla filmmakers do go out to areas that we probably haven't gotten the proper permissions for to film in. I, I've done that myself a few times. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, just no. be careful. That's a good way to get a ticket or get arrested in general. <laughs> I'm just playing. Sorry. Uh, now, moving on down the line here, this is um, a little more interesting to me, probably less to Mitch, but uh, Lightroom 1.2 for Android was just released. Uh, they've been a little fickle <laughs> with their plugins for uh, iPhone and Android devices, uh, but it does look like uh, this has some new Panasonic RAW support as well as a few quick fixes in cropping video or cropping photos and so on. Uh, Mitch, have you tried the iPhone version of this? No, number one, and I apologize for interrupting you with my snore sound. But, um, <laughs> I just had to sneak that in because you said I probably wouldn't be interested. Uh, I don't have Lightroom. You're right. Uh, I don't. I, we're getting to the point, right, where smartphones are so smart that you can do practically anything on them. And to have the ability to use a tool like Lightroom on a smartphone is just blow your mind away. Exciting. I haven't done it yet because like you say, I've got too many other things to do, but the ability to take all of that sophistication and edit your photos right there on your phone or your Android tablet tablet might be a little bit better to use because it's got a bigger screen, but it's very impressive. I, I still know a lot of people are complaining about the $9 a month deal but that's a whole nother rant right yeah i don't you know it's not that much really i mean if you think about buying it every year versus a subscription service um i think i pay like 500 bucks a year for my full adobe suite and i was paying somewhere in the range of 1600 to 2000 dollars for licensed copy of it once every couple of years so you know i'm uh, it's a wash really for pricing but what I wanted to like bring up with this particular uh, tool is that you know now we have the Olympus Air that we were just talking about. We have the E1. We have uh, the Sony uh, QX30 and QX10. All of these are camera bodies without screens that are designed specifically to be used with your phone. And now we have the tools to also develop those photos and video uh, in our phone as well. And as you mentioned, the phones are more powerful. There's octa-core. That's eight cores in the processor on phones now. And those are in tablets and everything else. I mean, someday we're going to see parity between a computer on your desktop and the one in your pocket. Uh, People won't need that much more power. And then after that, what do you do, you know? Yeah. And and it would will will be really nice because a lot of people want to just have one machine instead of multiple machines. Because like I have an iMac and I have a laptop and then I have a phone. Why not just take my phone and slide it into a monitor, right? And have it be absolutely everything. That would be cool. We'll get there. 
Now, uh, this isn't in the rundown, but I did want to drop this in real quick. Oh, um, no. This guy right here, and I'm trying to find it really quick because I just saw it this morning as I was also doing my news read. Uh, looks like Sam, um, Samsung is releasing a yet another even more high-capacity SSD. Uh, it's using VNAND from what I understand, and it, that's a TLC type of format. It uh, basically is going to be about 4 terabytes. Here we go. I just what? found the post. Uh, looking at pricing here. Yeah, so I'm going to highlight this one right here. Look at that. So that is a 3.84 terabyte drive at about $0.57 cents a gig, so $2,200. And that's, uh, if you look right here, it says 3-bit. That means you're using TLC memory. I'm not sure. There must have been a typo here when they say MLC. Uh, this is only for uh, a business class right now, but... Uh, if they follow their previous sort of history, it'll probably drop down to consumer grade shortly. Uh, for those of you not familiar with it, it's the PM863. Um, I found this over at uh, PCPer.com. If you're into computer hardware, that's a great place to find out latest news and stuff. So, you know, just promoting other sites on the what? internet. That's okay. That's what we do all the time. That's that's the point of information sharing, right? But, man, that is a lot of storage in a 2.5-inch drive form factor. Uh, what do you think about 4 terabytes of SSD in your system in that small of a space? I, I think it's an, a, amazing, and I know I've mentioned this before, but I one time purchased a 70-megabyte hard drive. A 70-megabyte hard drive for $700. Wow. I'll never forget that. And here, here we are talking about something that massive. And, you know, our kids won't even blink an eye in a couple of years with the stuff that they're going to see. So technology is moving like lightning. While I am slightly yeah. younger than you, I did work an but, entire summer in order to buy eight megs of RAM. Mega, wow. Yeah, you know, not, not gigs of yeah. RAM, eight megs right. of RAM for my 486 system so that I could finish editing a standard definition video project that I had basically filled up an entire one gig hard drive. And, and then I finally managed to get a four gig hard drive and it was one of the Firebolt drives that uh, were notorious for starting on fire. So <laughs> that, uh, great. All right. That's amazing. Yeah. Moving on down the line here before we get too far off track, I've got the Panasonic GX8. This camera we've kind of talked about, it's finally starting to get some reviews, but that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about with this camera is actually the dual IS system. And I know last time I had you on, we were sort of like on the fence about how that actually works. Right. Well, I found out some more information on the GX8's dual IS system. So... Reading further into it and getting some specs and, and digging up the manual, it turns out that what's going on is exactly what I thought. They are basically cropping into the sensor, and uh, there's a note in the uh, manual as well as a few of the write-ups that say that it's a, a crop factor of about 3.5x in wide angle and 1.5x at telephoto. So they're basically limiting you to 1080p in video mode for this stabilization system and they are using pixel shift or sensor shift technology which is basically just moving the image around constantly on the sensor and cropping into the sensor in order to accomplish image stabilization now that's only a four axis system so you're missing out on the or three-axis system because up uh, no no two-axis system I can count boy I'm really bad at this today, um, but you combine that with their uh, gyro system that's inside of the lens and now you have a four-axis system. So, is it going to be as good as what you get out of the Olympus uh, 5D M Mark II? Probably not, uh, but it's going to be somewhat comparable. Is it exciting? Well, you know. I would prefer to see an actual control system that moves the sensor around like we have on the Olympus cameras, but they're trying. They're trying. Mitch, you have anything well, to add to that? I, I have not had a chance to really dive into this like you have, so I appreciate your insights. And the review that you link to in the show notes 
says the dual image stabilization system is said to give comparable image stabilization to the performance of the Olympus 5-axis image, blah, 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 in the 5E5, EM5 Mark II. So they say that it's somewhat compatible, comparable, but we'll have to see, right? Yeah, now I want to complain for a second here. Uh-oh. The OMD EM5 Mark II, it has D in it, it has Mark II in it, and it has 5 in it. And constantly in my brain, whenever I think about that camera, I just say 5D Mark II because I'm so used to that camera. Right. It's, I wish they would have varied the name away from another popular brand or title so that it's not as confusing. Well, that just means that we can cover it on Planet 5D because some people think the only camera we ever talk about is the 5D. So that makes it perfect, right? I can talk about it. <laughs> that's that's sarcasm for those of you who don't know. Anyway, this camera is um, <laughs> is starting to hit the market. People are getting it in their hands. Reviews are starting to pop up. So we'll talk about it more once uh, there's a little more information out there. Uh, no word yet on how exactly that uh, 4K um, capture mode works. I mean, we know that it, it basically captures multiple focal ranges, but how it processes in camera. Uh, there are people talking about pulling images from 4K streams, uh, for photo editing, but uh, no word yet on that uh, burst mode sort of depth of focus system. So when I read more or find out more about that, we'll definitely cover it in the podcast. Now, something else that's kind of sad and happy at the same time, Vimeo drops oh the tip jar. And this just got announced this morning. Looks like it's going away July 29th. Uh, so that's... You know, that's right around the corner. That's next week. And they're changing that out for what appears to be a video on demand service. Mitch, do you do you even use Vimeo? I have I have to be careful, right? Because I love Vimeo. Vimeo is a great tool. It's a great service. Uh, I'm going to go visit the folks at Vimeo when I go to New York for the Canon Expo that we talked about last week. Um, however, primarily I've been posting my stuff on YouTube because of the fact that YouTube is the number two search engine on the planet and I'm hoping to have my stuff found. Right. So I, I was going with Vimeo for a lot of the stuff that I posted to planet ID because I like the quality and I like the layout of the videos and I like the player. Uh, but I eventually realized that Google, um, but Google. Google, yeah, slash YouTube, since it is the same company, right? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm gathering that very few people were getting tips from the tip jar, so why have it? I mean, that's that would be the only reason to drop it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I know they've announced that they're going to start doing this system where you can sell or rent your videos online, but I, I put the tip jar button on my videos quite a few times and never got a single penny so maybe nobody cares about my stuff <laughs> well commerce is a rather tricky business and uh, there's yeah. a lot of work involved in that so you know directing their efforts towards something else if there's not a lot of stream of money flow to end users vimeo has always been a kind of a a thing that I know about but I don't use in in my personal life. Mostly, I, you know, for years people said Vimeo has better video quality. And when I watch Vimeo videos, I, I think that's true. It, it does look nicer, but uh, YouTube moved to 4K first and uh, right. started upgrading their resolution. And then, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but to me it almost felt like uh, the video quality on YouTube became uh, parodied with uh, what you got out of Vimeo. And Vimeo was kind of the, the like elite. You spend a little bit of money to have your account, but you get really good video, and it's 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 where you would show off your work. Um, you know, if you had a a reel or something like that that you wanted to display, Vimeo was usually where you did it. But anymore now, I mean, I have private videos on YouTube that I can just pop up really quick. People are very familiar with using YouTube and and like the layout. And even when I upload videos to uh, Google Drive, it uses. Uh, YouTube's video player system in, in Google Drive to play your videos. So all of those things have kind of 
brought me and kept me in the YouTube camp. The search engine, of course, is is also a, right. a huge thing. And I get ad revenue from YouTube. It's not a lot, but it's right. it's a little bit. It sounds like it might be more than the tip jar system. And well, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any way to earn ad revenue on Vimeo. Is is that correct? Uh, as far as I know, the the bonuses on on Vimeo though are they do have a system if you're a pro where you can uh, restrict downloads. You can prevent people from theoretically stealing your videos like and and some people i know are using it to host their training you know so if you sell a training class for 100 bucks or 500 bucks or whatever uh and have your videos hosted over there you can restrict who sees them who has access to them and 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 that's kind of all built into their higher end accounting system uh but one of the other things you didn't mention on youtube by the way that i use all the time is the annotation right? You can't do that on, on Vimeo either. But one of the things that I was doing a long time ago, which ended up disappearing, long story short, uh, was the ability to, a, a tool that I had that would upload one time, you would, you would upload to their service, and they would send it out to Vimeo and to YouTube and a couple of other places. So you had just one upload, which was really nice, because that way you could hit a whole bunch of services at once, but they shut that down. Now, I do know that some people use Vimeo because it's available in markets that YouTube blocks video content. Uh, Germany, for example, has some issues with certain types of copyrights that don't allow uh, any, any sort of videos that I, I think it's a music issue or maybe a, a background music thing, and Vimeo right. does allow for that. So uh, that is something that I do know a few people use uh, for that reason. The, the other thing is... Uh, the stealing videos is an issue. Um, there are complete channels that are 100% duplicates of my channel that have basically gone through, downloaded every video I've ever posted to YouTube, and then put a new intro to them and then reposted them as their own. Now, there's even oh. a Spanish company that's doing that. Thank you, guys. Uh, you know who you are. Uh, they actually emailed me and asked me to share my videos with them. <laughs> And when I did not, they simply stole them, rebranded them with a Spanish uh, intro. And I think um, last time I checked, they 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 were starting to do uh, voiceovers of what I was saying in Spanish. So, uh, oh my god, very interesting. Seems like a lot of work uh, for the amount of revenue they're earning on that. But it, wow, it's rampant on YouTube, and you can ask to have stuff taken down. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, they really like to steal popular videos. So if you have something that's got over a hundred thousand views or something like that, it, uh, it generally will end up on one of these other channels. Uh, I don't know if it's really profitable for them. Maybe they just have an algorithm that's doing it continuously. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are people that grab our blog posts and repost them. So I, (laughs) okay, people, I don't get it. Somebody's making money somehow, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Some of this stuff is so far beyond what I know about the internet that I just kind of back away and say, well, uh, I guess if you're going to do it, uh, there's nothing I can do to stop you. So steal my work. Yeah, there was there uh, there was there are all sorts of stories about that, and I have that I have that problem all the time. I I showed one of them to one of my writers, and he's like, oh, let's get all mad and let's do a takedown, and I'm like. It'll just happen again. Yeah. Not that I encourage it, but it's it's just it gets becomes so time consuming if you start going after all those people that you end up not doing any work in the first place. Well, as far as blog posts go, that's why I personally started uh, uh, putting a uh, DSLR film noob stamp on all of my photos on the blog because people were stealing them so rampantly right. that I, right. and I'm not getting any credit at all, but. At least if there's a watermark on there that's easy to distinguish, they know where they were stolen from. And, you know, a lot of times they're not um, ambitious enough to crop around the watermark. So <laughs> they just uh, steal the entire photo and at least your name's attached to it somehow. So, yeah, uh, yep. those are just the inside baseball problems of running anything yeah. on the Internet. Now, speaking well, of things on the Internet, Mitch, uh, and I want to get less depressing here before we close the show out. The AP. Did you see this this post here? 
I, 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 only because you showed it to me. The AP is releasing over 550,000 historical videos onto YouTube, and I've got a link to their channel in the show notes as well as their press release on this particular thing. Uh, everything from, like, the Hindenburg uh, to, you know, uh, famous actors and actresses. Uh, they've got uh, people from the 40s, 50s, 30s, and I think this goes all the way back to, like, the 18, late 1800s of, the, of their archive. Uh, this looks pretty cool, right? Very cool. Uh, it, it, and it can be a real time suck because I was already, go, you know, diving into some cool videos that, that I hadn't seen. And it, it's one of those, thanks a lot for, for distracting me this morning because that's why I was late to the show. No, um, <laughs> but it, it is amazing what's out there. And, and one of the things that they're doing is trying to, I think, prevent some of the, the problems that you and I were just talking about, because I don't know, Frank Zappa, you know who Frank Zappa was? Yeah. The famous musician. Yeah. I mean, he, he ended up issuing uh, CDs that were being bootlegged, right. In order to try to make money off of what the bootleggers were doing uh, to some degree, this might be one of those kind of deals. Cause you know, some of those old videos were showing up anyway. So why not have your AP logo? Up? Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's, it's interesting that they're doing this. I'm actually excited. Uh, a lot of this stuff has kind of been under lock and key for years, so the only time you were able to actually see it was when someone uh, stole a copy from like a uh, you know <laughs> Discovery Channel post or something like that. Right. So this is an entirely deep rat hole, though. I'm looking through this right now, and there's just <laughs> stuff I want to click on and start watching, uh, you know, all the way back to, oh, man. I mean, they've got Nelson Mandela in here. They've got stuff going back you know, a hundred years and all kinds of, man. Okay. And they've just started. Yeah. I mean, that they, they're going to be adding to it daily because it takes a hell of a long time to put all that content up. Yeah. I wonder if there's any kind of partnership with uh, YouTube on this. Uh, if there's not, there should be because they need to make it easier for these guys to make more stuff available to me. You know, okay. One more thing I want to talk about. We're talking about the AP um, archive.org. Uh, do you spend any time on there? Uh, periodically, I do, but um, not not a whole lot. That's uh, another one that there's there's some movies really, and when I say movies, they're not movies uh, in any current standard. We're talking like 1940s, 1930s that have sort of been like lost to time. The there there are a few people that have copies of them, but uh, you know, no one cares about the copyright anymore no one cares about any of the other protections that would normally revolve around a movie and archive.org has a lot of the old classic film noir films that uh you know you don't see on television you don't see anywhere else and someone was kind enough to scan their old old copy of that from film to video and place them on archive.org there's a lot of really good stuff on there um and if you're into that sort of thing, especially the older stuff, uh, TMC also has a great uh, um, once-a-week film noir thing where they cover, like, Double Indemnity. They cover a ton of Orson Welles stuff, a lot of the great old classics, and they talk about how they're shot and what goes on in them, and these classes are free to attend and free to watch. Uh, definitely something that I do when I'm sick or have free time, which is very rarely... <laughs> but uh they're all great yeah and it's and it's there is so much you know there's so much stuff out there that's why we get sucked into this stuff and it's a total distraction sometimes and you wake up five hours later going oh i was supposed to be working on something else right oh man Um, managing distractions is difficult yeah the uh uh, books are another problem for me i have whisper sync and audible so I will set down my book and I'm like, okay, I'm done reading on my tablet. I'm going to go do something. And then I put my headphones on and I'm like, oh, well, I still have this and it'll sync up with WhisperSync. So then I hit play (laughs) and now I'm listening to it again and I'm still distracted and I'm not going to get the actual work done I need. I'm just kind of like fiddling around a little bit. Uh, Uh There's not enough time in the day anymore. And, And in fact, you know, today, because I have a production meeting in like 45 minutes, I am squeezing in a podcast and Mitch and I are up. Uh, it was 540 in the morning when I start and Mitch is starting at 745. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> whew, I, <laughs> I wish the days were yeah. longer, sir. Well, you know, if we could get rid of this damn sleep thing that we have to do all the time, we'd have so many more hours in the day. It would be a marriage. 
I know, right? Is there a pill for that? Uh, there is, but in reality, you don't want to do it because sleep is really advantageous to you. So don't shortcut yourself on sleep. Uh, get eight hours as much as we want to spend extra time. Uh, this is a health plug. Uh, get as much sleep as you can. It's very valuable. Um, it washes the brain. Sleep washes your brain, and you want your brain to be in good shape. I'm not a I'll doctor, so I'm going to just uh, nod and say, okay, wash his brain. Good. It does. There, yeah, I, I could talk about that, but we don't have time for that. But, yes, get sleep. Don't don't be one of these people that says, oh, I can only sleep four hours. You're, you're, you're shortening your life. Hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> notes taken. There, there's a rant. All right, man. I will actually look into the sleep stuff. Um, I I sleep exactly six and a half hours every night. I schedule it, and I that's what I sleep. I don't know if that's appropriate. I've never actually looked into it. I just I go to bed at ten. I get up at five thirty. Wait, a minute, is that yeah. six and a half hours? Maybe that's more than six and a half hours. You know, my math skills are not good today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's. That's better than many people who are trying to survive on four or less. Just don't do it, people. Get plenty of sleep. Eight is better. Six and a half is good. Seven's good. Have you ever anyway. been on a shoot where you've had to go for like 18 hours? Uh-huh. It's horrible. Ugh. Horrible. And your brain just turns to mush. And it doesn't do you any good to have a, br a mushy brain. So get some sleep. Yeah, you get to that last stretch and you're kind of, you go to autopilot. You're, I mean, you're doing the work that you're supposed to be doing, and you're you're filming whatever it is, but you're missing stuff. You're not paying attention, and then you go back to the footage the next day, and you find out, oh, I left mics in all of these shots, or you know, uh -huh. oh, I filmed an open window when I didn't intend to do so. It's uh -huh. oh, all right. <laughs> That's enough medical stuff. Uh, on that note. On that note, Mitch, where can people find you? They can find me at a place called. And on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Well, all those places. I'm Planet Mitch on everything else. And you guys can find the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, or anywhere podcasts are distributed. Be sure to check rate out us. the YouTube channel as well as click the likes. I think the Put likes in ratings. are important. Put in ratings. Write a review. Tell people you love this show. Tell your friends about the show. And, of course, you know, yeah. check out the show notes because everything we discuss each week is in there. That's a really handy resource for you to find out more about the stuff that we talk about. But on that note, I have a production meeting to attend, and I must leave the home. show. So, do anything better to do? Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you next week on another exciting episode Goodbye. of DSR. Goodbye. 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 <laughs>